Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's going to take a day to break this down, but Bill Cosby released from prison. His sex assault conviction overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. He has served more than two of a three to ten year sentence in the state prison. The court saying they found an agreement with a previous prosecutor that prevented him from being charged in the case. This is... I mean, it's a 79-page ruling. It's... It, to break this all down so quickly, not so easy to do. But the idea that there was some piece of paper floating around that said... You can't do this? The discretion vested in our Commonwealth's prosecutors, however vast, does not mean that its exercise is free of the constraints of due process. When an unconditional charging decision is made publicly and with the intent to induce action and reliance by the defendant, and when the defendant does so to his detriment, and in some instances upon the advice of counsel, denying the defendant the benefit of that decision is an affront to fundamental fairness, particularly when it results in a criminal prosecution that was foregone for more than a decade. No mere changing of the guard strips that circumstance of his inequity, of its inequity. A contrary result would be patently untenable. It would violate long-cherished principles of fundamental fairness. It would be antithetical to and corrosive of the integrity and functionality of the criminal justice system that we strive to maintain. For these reasons, Cosby's convictions and judgment of sentence are vacated and he is discharged. That's unbelievable. Absolutely, positively incredible. Because if I'm reading this right, lawyers, work with me, baby. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. If I'm reading this properly, what they're saying is, is that he didn't get the proper he didn't get the proper defense or the ability to engage a proper defense was was kept from him this rules uh this this centers around a decision by uh, the Montgomery County, Pennsylvania DA, Bruce Castor, back in 2004, to not prosecute Cosby. This is, this is really fascinating. Really and truly fascinating. Because it, it's, it's not a discussion of innocence or guilt. Let's make sure we're clear about this. No one is discussing that. As a matter of fact, he... Uh, Bill Cosby doesn't say that he didn't uh, have, you know, the good times with people who weren't his wife. 
I believe his argument always was that everybody who did drugs with him knew they were doing the drugs. If they did, that's his argument. And some people are saying, no, I didn't know. And that's, of course, the back and forth. But he doesn't say that he didn't do things. He's just saying he didn't do things without people's knowledge. I think that's their argument. And so this is not even addressing that. Doesn't even address it in the case at all. It's saying that there's there's an issue here with how he was able to mount a defense and that was taken from him. Therefore, vacated. Whole... Lee cow. Ain't that something? Oh, you know, I was saying to producer Ari just earlier, kind of a slow news week. Well, I guess it's a slow news week when you can have U.S. troops getting bombed uh, in, 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 in Iraq and you don't have anybody talking about it. Oh, whatever. Trump's not in power. Who really cares if there's a war? If we can't say drum beats of war and if we can't blame Trump for bringing us to the edge of extinction, what's the point of it all? They're actually not talking about it. That it, it, it still matters. It matters greatly. But the CNNs just don't care. They do not care. So I said, this is slow news week. Well, that just ended. I mean, this is going to be everywhere. Everybody's getting a hold of a lawyer because that's what's going on here. This is a legal conversation from beginning to end. And a good one. Because here is a, uh, a suspect or a defendant, however you want to call it, who you find reprehensible. And you feel bad you find him reprehensible because it's Bill freaking Cosby. It's the pudding pops, a part of your life and the Cosby show and recreated and redefined television. You, you, you know it. And here he is and all oh, this disgustingness and all oh, what kind of person, you know, th- th- this is, this is a conversation about about whether or not the law was applied properly. So this prosecutor who gets this unsealed evidence, what I just uh, part of what I just discussed uh, regarding the deal he made in 2004, arrests him before the statute of, limit, statute of limitation expired, but he wasn't able to use a defense properly. That's what it seems to me. We're going to find out. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. Going to be fascinating. And people are going to say, well, we don't care. Look what he did to women. I care. I want to just put that out on the record. If the law is not followed and we're using uh, duplicitous ways to put people in jail, as opposed to proving your case, I care. It's more important. The rule of law, actual justice, innocent until proven guilty, I care care i care greatly and deeply i don't care about bill cosby he means nothing to me i'm not condoning a single one of his actions as for following the law 
And if it wasn't followed and if a defense was kept from him, I want people in jail or worse. Because it's Bill Cosby today. And it's you tomorrow. Ilhan Omar, she's walking back nothing, baby. Bigot's got a bigot. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. In the Arizona legislature, a Democratic representative out of Tucson named Daniel Hernandez was mocking the dangers of communism, claimed that white supremacy is a bigger threat. Now, I must say, anybody who thinks that white supremacy is a bigger threat to uh, world safety and security uh, than communism doesn't know anything about history. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Well, proving this is Representative Nguyen. Vietnamese, Republican, in the state of Arizona, setting people straight. I just got irritated, so I came over here and pressed the white button. Is it okay if I say white button? Um, All right, that's just funny right there. You know, I just recently heard somebody said that... Uh, White nationalism, oh, actually, communism is not the, the enemy, but white nationalism. So let me tell you something about white nationalism. White nationalism didn't drown 250,000 Vietnamese at the South China Sea. The communists did. White nationalism did not execute 86,000 South Vietnamese at the fall of Saigon. Communists did. White nationalism did not put me here. Communism did. So don't take it lightly. Don't mock me. Don't mock what I go through in life. It's rough. I lost most of my cousins, my family members due to communism. If we don't stand up to teach communism to our children, we'll lose this country. So sir, don't mock me. I'm pissed. He's right. Doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. We're not having a conversation about whether white nationalism is good. But if we're doing comparative uh, analysis, communism is more dangerous. Communism is more deadly. Always, 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 always ends of discussion. If you, if you cannot accept that, you're an unserious person. Not you, them, they. Unserious. It's like not accepting the fact that Ilhan Omar is a bigot. Ilhan Omar is a bigot. She's an anti-Semite. And she was on with Jake Tapper on CNN. And she was asked if she regrets making this comparison. And as you know, a group of Jewish House Democrats wrote a letter to President Biden saying, that accusing Israel of acts of terror, as you and other members of the squad have done, is anti-Semitic. Um, do you regret these comments? I don't. Wait, wait, wait. We were told from Nancy Pelosi that you clarified your statement, that you weren't actually comparing the United States 
to a terrorist organization and nancy pelosi said as long as you know you clarified your remarks that's all that really matters now you're saying you 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 don't regret what it is that you said now i gotta tell you at the time that's all the audio i had that was all the audio I had, and I didn't know if there was any more context. So I, I found uh, this right here. Terror, as you and other members of the squad have done, is anti-Semitic. Um, do you regret these comments? I don't. I, I think it's really important to think back to the point that I was trying to make. Obviously, I was addressing Secretary of State Blinken. That, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't say anything. And when Speaker Pelosi was asked, will there be any action taken against Representative Omar? Uh, is giving further, should any further action be taken against Representative Omar for her comments? No. Are you concerned no, about I don't. the buying in no. no, I don't. I think that she clarified her r remarks, and that was, uh, uh, we accepted that, and uh, she, she, she has a point that she wanted to make, and she has a right to make that point. She certainly does. She certainly did. And, oh, did she clarify? This isn't I disagree with policies of Israel, claiming that Israel's hypnotized the world as anti-Semitism. It is what it is. And this isn't the first one. And comparing the United States to terrorist organizations? Why does she keep getting a pass? Why does she keep getting a pass on these subjects? And the answer is, because there's no ramifications for her actions. Why can she go back and say, no, no, I, I, I meant it? Because she will not lose a committee. She will not lose a dollar in funding. The party that she is a part of supports her bigotry. And state parties all around the country, including my beloved Indiana, the Democratic State Party is okay with her bigotry. Now, let me compare this to a story uh, that I discussed on my morning show about Paul Gosar, Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona. He is taking part in a fundraiser with a guy by the name of Nick Fuentes. I had not known Nick Fuentes' name until maybe a year ago, maybe less. He's a part of America first. He's fighting for America. This is a guy who believes in Holocaust denial. That's who he is. That's who Nick Fuentes is. Does he have the right to speak? Well, of course he has the right to speak. But is it a guy that you would go about doing uh, conferences with? Absolutely not. This guy did his own political conference, the America First Political Action Conference in D.C. in February. I was at the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is completely rational. Mill, you know, uh, ten, uh, tens of thousands of people show up uh, over the course of the days. This was some radical group, and Paul Gosar went to speak over there. So this is the second time he's doing it. Paul Gosar is about to get hit in the face. This is ridiculous. 
This is ridiculous. You can agree that you don't fight the left's game and you don't worry about the political left. I'm not telling you to worry about the political left. I'm telling you, you're connected to some really awful people. And you're going to have to deal with the consequences. My problem is that the political left is going to say there should be consequences to this, but they let Ilhan Omar off. That's why they are not to be trusted. If your local Democratic Party is all up in arms about Paul Gosar, but has nothing to say about Ilhan Omar, they are guilty of the bigotry. Whatever happened to a little bit of consistency? A little bit of decency, a little bit of focus. And so far, they have got none. As for Ilhan Omar, I mean, Ilhan Omar is a low-rent liar. She didn't walk anything back. She's got no apologies to give. Zero. Zero, 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 zero. It, it, it can't be said enough. But they're all going to bring up Paul Gosar. I don't know what Paul Gosar is thinking. I think the man's a damn fool. I would tell him to his face directly. I got to worry. I got to worry about Paul Gosar. You hang out with guys who are, who are Holocaust deniers. What am I supposed to say? When you know it. I have told the story before that when I lived in California, there was a guy who was part of a, a Republican club nice enough dude and put on events and was was a, was a lovely guy in terms of I didn't know him well but certainly he was around and spoke to him turns out he had been on old episodes of Phil Donahue as a kid as a Holocaust denier he lied about his name he lied about who he is he flat out lied and we were like what is this and he went quick, quiet, quick silence. And then he came back out like a year or so later and blamed everybody else. I can't believe that I actually knew somebody like that. Maybe I know more people like that than I realize, which would be frightening. Then again, I've met plenty of people who turned out to be straight up commies. I don't know. I've led an interesting life, I guess. You never know what people are. But when I found out, I'm like, okay. Uh, well... We're done. Because that is the bridge too far. Holocaust denial is the bridge too far. But when someone shows you they're an anti-Semite again and again and again and again, and won't even walk it back for their own political purposes, they're telling you who they are. Democrats are going to continue to allow that and continue to be upset about a guy like Representative Gosar. They should be upset about both. I'm Tony Katz. For a long time now, and I'll say it again today, buy guns, buy ammo. I've been saying those exact words. Because there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself and protecting the ones that you love. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, always good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. And of course, find everything at TonyKatz.com. 
There are some people who disagree. But when I see someone who's able to utilize a firearm in a way to protect their family, I say, well, that's a success. And now, another Second Amendment success story. You don't say you're sorry when you shoot someone. On Tony Catch Today. Now, I don't believe something is a success because someone gets shot or someone gets killed. That's That's not it. It's the idea that somebody was empowered to protect and defend themselves and the ones they love. This is actually a bit of an involved story. It's out of Texas, KTRK reporting. A husband and wife, both licensed to carry a firearm, heard their daughter screaming from her bedroom, 10-year-old daughter, about 10 p.m. She spotted a man inappropriately touching himself outside a window. The girl's mother says, this is what's happening. This is what she sees. The couple, armed with their handguns, head outside the home and confront the man. He and his wife order the man to lie down in their front yard until police lied, uh, arrive, but the guy does not comply. He heads toward uh, across the street to a gas station. So according to deputies, the girl's mother held the man at gunpoint outside the gas station. The father headed inside to tell the clerk to call 911. At this moment, I have an issue with the story. I have an issue. You left your wife outside with a guy who isn't um, detained, who, who isn't secured. I got an issue with that. At that moment, the suspect begins wrestling with the woman for her gun. Remember that's going to happen. The suspect is going to often believe that the woman is weaker and take their best shot. That's what's going to happen. He disarmed the woman and pointed her own gun in her direction. The husband came out and fired at the suspect. This is a story of a lot right and a lot wrong. You each have a firearm. The guy walks away. You have the ability in your home to call the police and keep an eye on him. I get that you want him arrested. But let us be clear. The firearm is what stopped the guy from doing this thing and maybe doing more. But a very, very egregious error created a problem. Yes, your gun can be taken from you. Isn't that the argument that people make? You've heard uh, politicos in Colorado make this argument to women who have been raped. Oh, you shouldn't have a gun. You're more likely to lose your gun. That is the argument for don't even try. But it's an ugly argument. That's a sinful argument. Rather, the argument has to be for planning and training. It's not enough to have your concealed carry license. What could you be thinking to leave her out there when someone could have gone back into the home, secured the child, because you don't know if there's somebody else out there? Now, maybe I shouldn't yell at anybody. Maybe I should take even a further step back. Guys, do you have plans? I will tell you, that for a different scenario, I have a plan with my wife. 
And that scenario is when someone decides to attack the local and national radio host in a restaurant. We know the plan for if there's just a straight-up attack. We know a plan if someone confronts and then builds up to an attack. We have two different plans. We have plans for if the kids are there or if the kids aren't there. We have plans. I will tell you, I am amazed by. I am amazed by. I, I every now and again, find myself looking for a gun safe. But I don't want anything that has a keypad. I want the old school. And my problem is I don't want to put it in the basement. I want to put it where people can see it. I think they're works of art. I think they're gorgeous. Like like old-timey Wells Fargo kind of safe. The big, big wheel. Gorgeous. They are amazing. I don't understand the people who actually put their firearms in it. I don't get it. I mean, I guess you could put a couple in there. But all of them in one place? What's the... You better hope you're in the basement when the you-know-what goes down. No, 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 no. You got to have them a bit of spread out, people. You got to have them within certain levels of access. I've always been a believer that better than a, a save, and, and they make these things, they're, they're really cool. Like you put a, a bit like a key fob next to it, and then like the, the, the bottom opens up. And it's like either a mantle or, or, or a picture or a bookcase. I think they're very cool. I don't think that they're hyper-practical. One of the things I believe in is finding the spot in your wall. Let's say in the living room. Follow me here. Tell me if I, I'm crazy. Cutting out a piece of the sheetrock. And between the studs, putting in a piece of 2 by 4 to create a shelf. Placing the firearm in there and then sheetrocking it back up. So if you need it, you can punch through the sheetrock and get it. No one's going to find it. No one's going to steal it. They'll be punching holes in the walls from now until the end of time. Is that it? Honestly, is that a bad idea? It's not the best. What? It's not a bad idea. It, it seems a little impractical. Uh, it, it's it's as practical as having a, a small safe everywhere, which I do, by the way. I could I can clearly tell you that if you, if you're in different parts of my house, that I have access to a firearm in that part of the house. One hundred percent. Because the idea that they should all be in one place is that that just blows my mind. I would love for someone to show me the data on why that's better. You live in a, in a, th- a two-story place with a basement, and you're upstairs, you hear a problem, you're going to run to the basement? Oh, you have the firearm that's next to you, but the, but the stash is in the basement. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. And does the family know the place that you're defaulting to? Meaning, if X, then Y, where do you go? If they're upstairs, if they're downstairs, if they're outside, if they're inside, you need to run through these scenarios. It's extremely important. And my wife and I have these scenarios. And admittedly, some of them the kids don't know. Because they're kids. 
and I can't rely on them to have their wits about them if something goes south. They're going to run fully on emotion. It's going to take some time for that. Now, maybe that's just my take. Maybe I know my kids. Maybe I'm being a little over, uh, 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 overprotective. It's possible. But of course we have a plan. We have multiple plans. You need to. And it was a mistake, as I see it, for one person to go inside and make a phone call and leave the scene, leaving the other person on a one-on-one. By the way, not not just because they're a woman. A suspect is going to go after whom they think is weaker. So that way no one will call me a sexist. And, and, and so it's a mistake. The two-on-one is the advantage. Don't give up your advantage. They had already crossed the street. That was the time to go in the house. And then you could keep an eye from a further distance, giving you time to either uh, go to another place to get uh, a, a little safer, to get back to the house, whatever, so you're not endangering your family. You also didn't know if this person had a weapon on them. How could you leave it just on a one-on-one? There were mistakes made, but not at the first. The first was they had weapons to protect themselves and the ones they love, because if they didn't, it's not just a guy outside being disgusting. Who knows what comes next? This This is a story of planning. You must have a plan. It's why training is so incredibly important. It isn't just about owning a firearm. And I'll say it again. Buy guns and buy ammo. Ari, the offer stands. I'm ready to purchase you a firearm. Really? You buy me the firearm? You said you'd buy the lessons. Uh, You know what? I will will give you the training. You're right. You can afford your own weapon. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's a bad deal for you, dude. Well, I, I worry about you. Oh, that's that's nice. But you need but you are a guy who needs the training. I true. And I need more training. There there are a series of scenarios low light and what do you do with stairs and 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 figuring out a plan. I mean, it might take a little time, but you need to do it. You need to do it. Your kids are worth it. If you've been working on a financial plan for retirement, but haven't worked on a plan to ensure your family's safety so you can get there. I, I think you got to rethink it just a touch. You got to do it all. Every bit of it. I'm Tony Katz. Producer Ari reminded me that I didn't finish the story. This guy who was the peeping Tom who got shot by the father after he attacked the mother. uh, What happened to him? Uh, The man believes he shot him four times, the father. Uh, The police uh, said um, that uh, it was only three times. In either case, uh, the uh, peeping Tom is in critical but stable condition at last reporting. So he did live through it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. A pleasure to be with you. Ezra Klein, who has long been the leftist leftist, Ezra Klein of uh, Vox and, and now the New York Times and his popularity... Uh, I don't know, seems confusing to me, but uh, hey, who am I? 
he is referring to a guest essay that was in the New York Times. And it says, Dear Kamala Harris, it's a trap. Now, I don't know if he wrote this or not. I don't actually know who wrote the opinion. But Ezra Klein says Kamala Harris will probably be the Democratic nominee in 24 or 28. Biden's team should be giving her portfolios that make it likelier she'll win. Instead, they're giving her impossible problems that will likely become liabilities. That is an admission. Yes, it is clear that Kamala Harris is a frontrunner going into 2024. And we should be clear it's not 2028. There will be no Joe Biden 24 conversation. That, I I won't even entertain it. But what Ezra Klein is stating is that you should be giving her things that are easy little tasks so she can show you the laundry list of her accomplishments as vice president, proving she's up to the task of being president. As opposed to the big things which she is not able to solve. This is about a lack of confidence in her. This is about her inability to solve serious problems. Is, is, is this because a black woman is not capable of solving big problems? Don't look at me. Ezra Klein said it. I'm only trying to figure out what in the world he means. As somebody named Bully Mouse put out on Twitter, and this is the right answer. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Mauer the Bulldog. Uh, you deserve a billion likes for that tweet. Wh- whomever you may be. That's exactly what it is. The, sl- the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's hard to fathom the bigotry in, in place there. But as, as I've been discussing, this, this happens a lot. You know, I, I, was, I was sharing earlier about uh, the, this uh, New York teacher uh, saying that black students do not think analytically. This is why education is not working for students of color. This is all about anti-racist, uh, 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 you know, the anti-racism theme. It's a discussion between New York uh, uh, educators. Black students do not think analytically? Is this what you teach black students? It's okay that you're not doing well in school. They've set this up for the way white people think. That's not the way you think. So you don't... Holy cow. Not one, but two examples of really, really gross bigotry. And it's it's passed off in this 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 kind of like intellect pseudo intellectual armor, as if it's supposed to have value, and, and and it's supposed to really give you something to think about. It's bigotry. Black students do not think analytically. I. I I wouldn't even know how to discuss this. What was it that the NFL was accused of? Was it racial norming? Is that what it was called, Producer? I think so. Race norming. So it's it's the idea that when you see people who are getting these these uh, 
head issues. Well, uh, right from 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 football. It's assumed that black players have lower cognitive function compared to non-black players. So when you take a look at the their abilities post football, you have to grade them on a curve. That's my use of the language. When using race norming and testing, it assumed that black patients started at a lower cognitive function compared to non-black patients, which made it harder for them to show a deficit and qualify for compensation. That was the NFL. Is this or is this not exactly what they're saying there in New York? Or are they saying, look, you just don't do it this way, you do it that way. That, their system is all wrong. It doesn't matter your grade. You, if they if they don't think analytically, then how do they? It, 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 it's it, they oh they think contextually, because dissecting a problem, analyzing a problem is very Western and European. I'll I'll let them figure it out. I think for many people, black and white, it's like oh we got to leave these people be, because they're just they're just crazy. Let's just make sure we don't raise our kids that way. Black and white people agree. That what we're talking about here is not race, but something else. I'm Tony Counts.